I used to run with the mentality of, I should be able to do whatever I want when I'm on my period. And I think I can thank the tampon commercials for this mentality. You know the commercials where it's like, just pop in this tampon and go on your run or swim a mile. And it's like, what? Is there something wrong with me? Should I be acting business as usual over here while I'm bleeding for a week straight? And the answer is no. Welcome to a Healthy Push podcast. I'm Shannon Jackson, former anxiety sufferer turned adventure mom and anxiety recovery coach. I struggled with anxiety, panic disorder, and agoraphobia for 15 years. And now I help people to push past the stuff that I used to struggle with. Each week, I'll be sharing real and honest conversations along with actionable and practical steps that you can take to help you push past your anxious thoughts, the symptoms, panic, and fears. Welcome. You're right where you're meant to be. Okay, one of the things I hear most often from women is, my anxiety is so much worse around the time of my period. And I know how hard this can be, but it doesn't have to be. So today's episode is all about me sharing some of the most impactful changes that I've made throughout the years that have helped me to relieve the symptoms and anxiety around my period. And just a quick disclaimer, I'm no hormone expert or doctor, but I am an expert in my own experiences. And the changes that I've made have drastically helped me. And so I want to share them with you because I know that they'll be helpful to you too. And these five things that I'm going to share with you aren't the typical things that you've probably already heard, like reducing stress, prioritizing sleep, and minimizing caffeine and alcohol intake, although these things are obviously helpful. All right, so I used to experience lots of symptoms and anxiety around the time of my period. And for me, the symptoms and anxiety typically kicked in four to five days before I actually started bleeding. And one of the symptoms that was toughest for me among anxiety was the mood swings. I'm talking up, down, and all over the place. You can ask my husband. He will never forget about these moments until the day he dies. So I would feel really, really sad, and then I'd feel okay, and then I'd feel really sad again. And I would seemingly cry out of the middle of nowhere. And I would also feel such an overwhelming sense of irritability. Like the smallest things that would normally never bother me would totally set me off. And along with this, I'd also experience lots of anger. And I'd find myself lashing out over the silliest things. And it all truly felt like it was beyond my control. I just felt like I was in a constant state of overwhelm and that I was incredibly fragile. Like I couldn't handle one more thing, no matter how small it was. And on top of the mood swings leading up to my period, I would also get really bad headaches and experience lots of fatigue. I remember being so tired and having no energy to do the things that I needed to do, but then I wouldn't actually be able to sleep well at night. And my boobs, oh my God, they would hurt so bad like to the point where I was constantly convinced that I was pregnant. And so I'd actually take pregnancy tests on almost a monthly basis just to make sure. And then when I actually started bleeding, which wasn't always predictable and sometimes lasted seven, eight, nine days, I'd experienced some heavy bleeding, lots of cramping, bloating, general body pain, and a continuation of all of the other symptoms. I remember thinking often, I can't go to work today. 
or I can't do that today, or I'm not going to be able to exercise at all for the next week, or how am I going to get any of the stuff done that I need to get done? And I'm sure you'll be able to relate to this. When you're struggling with an anxiety disorder and you experience symptoms, even if you know the symptoms are connected to your period, the symptoms still lead to anxiety. For most people, the symptoms lead to anxiety because you immediately go into this mode of, oh no, what is this? What am I feeling? How can I stop feeling this way? This is going to lead to a panic attack or something bad happening. Or all of this is just making me feel so off and I'm going to feel anxious for the next week or two weeks. And then you find yourself on high alert and trying to prevent anything, you know, quote, bad from happening. Yeah, fun stuff, right? So after making lots of changes over a number of years, I went from all of what I just talked about to mild mood shifts and fatigue that only last a couple of days. Yep, no more mood swings that leave me in tears or fighting with my husband over absolutely nothing. (laughs) And sometimes I get a mild headache, but it's not every single time. And now I have more energy and I only feel a little fatigued for one to two days And now I'm actually able to do the things that I need and want to do. Now I experience slight breast tenderness that lasts about three to four days, but it's nothing like the pain and discomfort like it used to be. And I have minimal cramping on day one of my period and then no cramping after day one. Yep, like I didn't think that that would ever be possible, but it is. And I also only experience minimal bloating for like two to three days, but no pain. And my bleeding now only lasts between four and five days. And usually it's only four days. And I consistently bleed at the same time every month, which makes everything so much easier. So did you notice how I didn't say that all of the symptoms magically went away and I experience none of them now? Yeah, because that wouldn't be realistic or even possible. Because of all the hormonal shifts, it makes sense that you'll experience some symptoms. But the symptoms especially don't need to be debilitating, severe, or interfere with your everyday life. So please do yourself a favor and don't convince yourself that you have to just deal with PMS or be on hormonal birth control to fix it all because I truly don't think that either of these things are true or even healthy. All right, let's dive into the changes that I've made. So the first is cycle tracking. And I'm sure you've heard of this and there's a reason for it. Cycle tracking is such a beautiful thing. I used to use an app to track my cycle, but now I just use a simple Google Doc. Each month, I jot down my symptoms and how I feel in the week leading up to my period. And then when I start bleeding, I jot down when I started, how I feel while I'm bleeding, including symptoms, energy levels, etc., And then I also jot down when I finish bleeding. Tracking all of this really helps me to know what to expect so that I'm not surprised each month by the symptoms and changes, which is huge. And it also helps me to prepare and make healthy shifts. And it helps me to see and know how my body is working. And it helps me to identify patterns so that I can dig into the patterns so that I can figure out what might be helpful and what healthy shifts I may be able to make. In short, it helps me to be much more in tune with my body and gives me the ability to be more in control of my hormones, my cycle, and my emotions. 
And with cycle tracking, you can obviously get a lot more detailed than I do, but this is just what I find to be helpful for where I'm currently at since my cycle has become very consistent and predictable. But some women also use cycle tracking to track ovulation for pregnancy purposes or to actually prevent pregnancy. So I just want to say, when you first start cycle tracking, it can be really helpful to use an app so that it can help you to understand what to track, how to do it, why, and actually using the app just helps you to remember to actually track these things. So if you haven't tried cycle tracking, I want you to really give it a shot. I swear by it in the sense that it'll help to reduce lots of anxiety because if instead of being blindsided each month by the symptoms and shifts, you'll have a better idea of what's coming so that you don't spiral with the anxious thoughts. And once you start to see patterns, you can make healthy changes so that the symptoms aren't so bad and ruling your every move. Okay, the second change, I started eating breakfast every single day within an hour of waking up. And I know this one sounds so silly and simple, and you're probably like, how the heck is this going to help? But stick with me. So years ago, it would have made me physically gag to even think about eating breakfast before 10 a.m. I used to be the girl who ate a granola bar for breakfast around 10 or 11, and typically the only thing I had prior to the granola bar was a cup of coffee. And I think we all know this, but only consuming coffee in the morning and not eating breakfast is incredibly bad for you. When you wake up in the morning, your body needs nutrients and it hugely needs nutrients in order to stabilize your blood sugar and to create energy. So I can't tell you how hard it was for me to force myself to eat breakfast in the beginning. Well, I can actually, it was really hard. I initially hated eating breakfast and I just started by eating a piece of protein in the morning. Like I started that small, but I stuck with it and I formed a habit and I'm so glad that I did because now within a half hour of waking up every day, I'm hungry and I'm talking hungry and I have absolutely no problem eating a full, well-rounded breakfast every morning, meaning a protein, a fat, a carb, and a fiber. Making this change has definitely helped me to have more energy in the morning and also sustained energy throughout the day. So if you're currently only drinking a cup of coffee in the morning or only eating a granola bar or both, or you're waiting hours before eating anything, please just start small and start eating one thing within an hour of waking up. It'll go such a long way and I promise you'll see a relief in symptoms and just in how you feel overall. Okay, number three, I avoid drinking or eating out of plastic. I know you might be thinking, Shannon, what? Where are you going with this? <laughs> but this one was huge for me. I swear this one change drastically helped to improve my hormones and relieve symptoms, especially the mood swings. And stick with me because I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but I'm going to try to explain a little bit of why I'm so mindful about not drinking or eating from plastic. So plastic can contain toxins, and the toxins found in plastic include endocrine-disrupting chemicals, EDCs. And EDCs are chemicals that mess with the body's hormone systems and can cause diseases. So simply put, when we eat or drink from plastics that contain toxins, we're allowing these toxins into our bodies 
and they ultimately disrupt multiple systems. And the reality is that there are lots of hormone-disrupting chemicals found in many things, not just plastics. For example, they're also found in fragrances, in cosmetics, in cleaning products, and the list goes on. So not only am I mindful of not drinking out of plastic water bottles and not eating out of plastic, like Tupperware for instance, and I avoid buying food products that are contained in plastic, I'm also mindful of scented items and what I put on my skin and what I clean my house with. So overall, I'm not saying to go and make every single change that I've listed here, but it's worth it to educate yourself and start making small changes. So for now, maybe it's just avoiding drinking out of plastic water bottles. And that's a great start. Okay, the next one, number four, I switched from tampons to a menstrual cup and period panties. And I'll be honest, (laughs) I made this switch more so because tampons are harmful to the environment and I'm a huge fan of the environment. And when I learned about menstrual cups and period panties, I was like, yes, why wouldn't I give this a shot? And then once I made the switch from tampons and pads to a cup and period panties, I swear I experienced a relief in symptoms. And maybe it's just because I'm no longer worried about how long I've had a tampon in and whether or not I have to change it, but I'll take it. And two, I feel like I've reduced my risk for developing bacterial infections because tampons can definitely increase your risk of infections. And also too, I've saved money. Like I'm sure I've saved a ton of money. So with a cup, I can leave it in for up to 12 hours. And I often do. In a 24-hour span, I only change my cup twice. And although it can be intimidating when you first start using a cup, it's pretty easy to get the hang of. And once it's in, you don't even notice that it's there. But I'll be perfectly honest, I don't like having to change anything out even twice a day. So I've been leaning more on period panties these days. And I love them because it allows me to flow freely without having to worry about a thing. Which, when you think about it, isn't this the most natural intended way? Okay, I know I probably sound a little woo-woo right now, but um, I'm going with it and I'm okay. So if you've been thinking about giving a menstrual cup or period panties a shot, do it. I highly recommend both. Okay, and number five, the last one, and it's a big one. I adjusted my expectations around my cycle and my exercise routine. All right, this one needs some explaining, I know. So I used to run with the mentality of, I should be able to do whatever I want when I'm on my period. And I think I can thank the tampon commercials for this mentality. You know the commercials where it's like, just pop in this tampon and go on your run or swim a mile. And it's like, what? Is there something wrong with me? Should I be acting business as usual over here while I'm bleeding for a week straight? And the answer is no. You shouldn't be acting business as usual because things aren't business as usual. Your body is experiencing a lot of change and fluctuation leading up to your period and during your menstruation, so expecting that you'll be able to operate as you normally do isn't a healthy mentality to have. And this is another huge reason why I track my cycle, because now I know that when I'm about four days out from starting my period, I'm not going to have as much energy as I usually do, and I need to adjust what's going on in my life to make sure that I'm not adding stress and overwhelm on top of hormonal changes. So for me, this means instead of filling my calendar with lots of things, 
I instead pull back. I very intentionally lighten my workload and what I have going on during this time. And instead of continuing to lift heavier weights and do intense cardio and go on big hikes, I instead opt to lift a little lighter and I just walk or I go on trail walks and I do some stretching and yoga. And trust me, I know how lame it can feel when you feel like I have to pull back and I have to baby myself a little, but it makes total sense why you do and it's necessary and it's healthy. It's not a you thing or your fault and you needing to be babied a little doesn't mean that you're weak or incapable. It simply means that your body is going through lots of shifts and it needs you to listen to it and support it through it. So the next time you're approaching your period or you're on your period, try easing up a bit. Try pulling back and lightening your load. Try saying no more. Try resting more. Try doing low impact exercises. I promise all of this will help to relieve anxiety and help you to all around feel better. Okay, there we have it. These are the five changes that I've made that have helped me to relieve the symptoms and anxiety around my period. And there are actually lots more, so maybe I'll do a part two of this episode in the future. I hope that you found this to be helpful. And please don't try to make all of the changes that I've discussed in this one episode. Remember, it's all about small steps. And the steps need to feel and be manageable for you so that they can give you the biggest benefit and so that you actually stick with them. So just start with one of these things and give it a shot. And before I wrap up this episode, I just want to remind you that I did an episode with an actual menstrual cycle expert and naturopath, Cassandra Wilder. It's episode number 11, and it's filled with lots of helpful information and tips. And Cassandra is wonderful and so, so helpful. So definitely check out that episode if you found this episode to be helpful. Okay, until next time, keep taking healthy action. And before I end this episode, I want to mention that I'd really appreciate it if you shared this episode or any others with somebody who you feel could benefit from what I share here. You sharing these episodes is what helps me to reach and support others who need it. And if you have an extra minute in your day today, I'd also really appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. I read every single review and this too is what helps me to help more people to heal and overcome. All right, until next time, friend, keep taking healthy action. I hope you enjoyed this episode of A Healthy Push. If you want more, head on over to ahealthypush.com for the show notes and lots more tips, tools, and inspiration that will support your recovery. And if you're hoping for me to cover a certain topic, be sure to join my Instagram community at A Healthy Push and let me know in the comments what you want to hear next.